Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Today's episode of The Serial Dynasty is sponsored by Sean T. Fitness. This week, Sean T. is featuring his Insanity Max 30 workout program. Insanity Max 30 is a great program because you can do it right in your home. It only takes 30 minutes. And while it's really intense, you can always go to the modifier option as you build your strength and stamina throughout the program. For more information on Insanity Max 30 and all of Sean's other workout programs, visit SeanTFitness.com and dig deeper. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to The Serial Dynasty. Thank you all for downloading this episode and subscribing to The Serial Dynasty. And a sincere thanks to every single one of you for all of the help you provided in researching and investigating this case. The swarm mine that is The Serial Dynasty Army amazingly just continues to get larger and larger and larger. You're going to see over the next several weeks that this has all not been for nothing. We are getting closer and closer and closer to the truth. We're not just spinning our wheels here. We're making progress. We're learning more and more and more every day. What may have seemed like a pipe dream just a few months ago now seems to be a reality that we are closing in on. This is not the time to fall back on our heels. It's time to take a breath, dig deep, and drive forward to the truth. I truly believe from the bottom of my heart that together we are going to find out who killed Heyman Lee. We have a lot of things to cover today, so it's time to get right into the content. First up on the list, Undisclosed Episode 10. I will tell all of you listeners that Episode number 10 of Undisclosed drew out more emotions from me than I've ever felt throughout the duration of investigating this case. I was driving in my truck back to the fire department for training on Monday night listening to the episode, and when the team disclosed the fact that the anonymous tip came in on February 1st, over a week before Hay's body was even found, I don't know if I can even put the emotion that I was feeling into words. I was shaking. My eyes were welling with tears. It was some mixture of furious anger and extreme sadness all at the same time. In just a moment, I'll get into an explanation of the entire reward timeline. But before we even discuss the implications of the reward money that was paid out, it's important that we address this key fact. February 1st. Maybe that's something that slid by a lot of you. But think about it. Anon never had a chance. When that tip came in on February 1st, all attention shifted towards Anon. Immediately, detectives were going to the high school, handing out questionnaires about Adnan. They pulled his phone records. They pulled his driving record. No one else, just Adnan's. 
Some of the minor points that were explained in the undisclosed episode are far more significant than you might have imagined. This February 1st tip changes everything. And what I mean by that is, we've been operating under the assumption that the anonymous tip that pointed them in the direction of Adnan came in on February 12th, after Hayes' body had already been found. After the case had already been in the hands of the Baltimore City Police Department for three days. For those of you that are still skeptical about the theory that Jay Wilds actually had nothing to do with this and knows nothing about the crime, that theory just got a little bit easier to explain. It got a little bit easier to consider. See, the Baltimore County Police Department, when investigating Heyman Lee's missing persons case, focused only on Adnan. The entire investigation revolved around Adnan. So when the Baltimore City Police Department took over the case, they already had their slam dunk. They didn't have to scramble in a matter of a couple of weeks to frame Adnan. The work had already been done for them. Detective McGillivary testified at trial that on February 9th, when the case was turned over to him by Detective O'Shea of the County Police Department, that he gave him a file of all of the information that they had already dug up on Adnan. He testified that at that time, they had phone records. They had statements from the teachers at school. They had the journal entries filled out by the students. And they had an anonymous tip that had already pointed towards Adnan. No doubt the Baltimore County Police Department informed the city that the tip didn't pan out. They would have passed along who the tipster was, but the tip made no sense. They didn't act on anything on the tip. They had already discovered that Hayes' body was not in a lake. It was in a park. So here sits Detective Ritz and McGillivary with a folder nicely and neatly prepackaged for them to go after Adnan Syed. And the worst part about that is that this is a double-edged sword. Baltimore PD ran with this information and pushed along until they had Adnan in prison, and they had their clearance. A witness that they could manipulate in the first few days and get him to twist and bend his story any way they pleased, they already knew the parts of the day that Adnan wasn't clear on. Baltimore County had already talked to him. They had the statements that a couple of students remember that maybe he asked for a ride. They already knew that there was nothing concrete in their mind about what Adnan was doing between 2.15 and track practice. He had said that he would have went to the library and checked his email, and he thinks he was at track practice on time, but there was nothing concrete there. There was nothing solid. They hadn't dug deeply into him enough yet to talk to witnesses to confirm his story. They had basically just taken notes at this point. So all Ritz and McGillivary had to do was convince Jay to tell a tale that involved a time period that they thought surely after six weeks' time could not be accounted for by Adnan. But we knew all of that already. We just didn't know how it came to be. But the other side of that sword is this. Because of that February 1st tip, because of Ritz and McGillivary's insistence on getting their clearance and their apathy towards doing any real investigatory work, they never looked at anyone else. What that means is that not only is Hayes' killer still out there, but he never felt any heat at all during the investigation. They didn't look at anyone else. Sure, Baltimore County in the first day or two asked around. They talked to Don. They talked to Adnan. But they never really investigated anyone. I've said this before, and I think a lot of you already know this, but I want to say it again. Do you all realize that the Baltimore City Police Department, Detective Ritz and McGillivary, the ones that were investigating the murder never once spoke to, interviewed, or looked into 
any other suspect but Adnan. No one. They never even considered that it could have been someone else. And the only word that I can use to describe the way that makes me feel is that I am just disgusted. So now we know that this is how this story began. It began with an anonymous call to Crime Stoppers on February 1st. Someone seeking money. Someone willing to say anything to cash in on a couple thousand dollars. So who was it? I've had a lot of listeners email in and ask me if I could help explain what exactly all of this means. So this is a quick breakdown of the timeline of the tip and the reward payout. First of all, as the undisclosed team explained, the way Crime Stoppers typically works is someone calls the hotline, they're given a code number, they give their tip, that tip is then passed on to the police department. The police department can then make further contact with the tipster to see what other information they might have. Now there's some confusion with this because most of us have always considered Crime Stoppers to be an anonymous tip line, and they are to an extent. There's different case law in different states regarding Crime Stoppers. But in Maryland, the tipster not only can be identified to the defendant, but if that tipster testifies at the trial, the state is actually required to disclose the fact that the person testifying received a reward for their testimony. This would be the Brady violation that the undisclosed team has been speaking about for a few weeks. The reason for that is that a jury deserves to know if the person that's testifying could possibly have any sort of ulterior motive for their testimony. Anand's case is a perfect example of that. Remember back in Serial when Sarah was interviewing one of the jurors? She said she believed Jay. She believed his story because why would he lie? Why would he get himself into the middle of this? I mean, after all, he had to go to jail too. Do you remember that? Now, this is what you were thinking. I want you to tell me again that it doesn't make a difference to a jury whether or not a witness was paid for their testimony. Or in Jay's case, when they were led to believe that he would go to prison even though he testified, when in fact he never did. And in my opinion, was never going to. It makes a huge difference. And as far as the Crime Stoppers' anonymity versus the Brady Laws, these are definitely two concepts that pull in different directions. Crime Stoppers wants to maintain anonymity for their tipsters in order to encourage more tips. But at the same time, the Constitution, through due process, requires that any defendant have the right to face their accuser. They have the right to know if they were paid for their testimony. And you can argue until you're blue in the face that you don't think that's right, but the fact is that there have been multiple bills introduced to the Congress in Maryland in an attempt to allow Crime Stoppers to hold on to the anonymity of their tipsters. But those laws were all voted down. As of today, and in 1999, not disclosing that a witness who testifies in a trial was paid a reward for their testimony is still a Brady violation. And a Brady violation equals an exoneration. So back to our timeline. The tip comes in February 1st. It's turned over to the Baltimore County Police Department. On February 9th, the tip is turned over to the Baltimore City Police Department. Now then there's the other anonymous tip on February 12th that I'm going to skip past for now. So how the Crime Stoppers program works is if you give a tip, once the suspect is indicted, then the police send a report back to Crime Stoppers and tell them how helpful they believe the tip was toward the indictment of their suspect. And the police make a recommendation as to whether the tipster should get all of the reward money, 
a portion of the reward money, or none of the reward money. So Adnan was indicted in April of 99. So what should have happened was, if that tip led to that indictment, then the detectives should have turned the report back in to Crime Stoppers with a recommendation for how much of the tip should be paid out. Crime Stoppers would have met the next month, so in May, after their meeting, they would vote on the recommendation, and they would issue the payout of the reward. But that didn't happen in this case. No reward was issued in April or May, or June, or July, or August, or September, or October. Six months later, in November, the reward was paid out. So the first question we ask is, why the delay? That's a very strange time, and it doesn't fit with protocol to wait till six months after an indictment to pay out the reward money. So these are the things that we know. Now, as to the undisclosed team's speculation that it's possible that Jay Wilds is the one that received this reward money. As they expressed on their show, and I will express here on my show, we do not know this for a fact. At least I don't. But these are the reasons why I think that Jay Wilds is the most likely person to have received that reward, and also the most likely person to have called in the tip on February 1st. Number one, Jay was arrested on January 26th for disorderly conduct and resisting arrest which means he had contact with the police at that point, just six days before the anonymous tip was called in. Now, that could mean nothing, but it's just something to note. We know that the anonymous tip was useful in indicting Adon, because the entire reward amount was paid out. And not only the entire reward amount, but the reward amount contributed by the Korean church was $2,500. Another $575 was added to that and it was all paid to the one tipster. So immediately we have to ask ourselves, who was useful in getting Adon convicted? In my mind, there's only two possible people that this could be. The most obvious would be Jay. Jay was the star witness. Jay was the prosecution's entire case. And Jen, whose testimony helped corroborate Jay's. There's no one else that's been disclosed by the state that provided any help whatsoever in convicting Adon. As Colin mentioned in the episode, if there had been anyone else that offered a tip along the lines of they heard Adnan confess or something along those lines, there's no chance that person does not testify at trial. Their case, as strong as Yurik likes to believe it was, was very, very weak. There's no way that they disregard a witness that's willing to say that they heard Adnan confess. And if they didn't testify, then they would have been of no use and they wouldn't have been paid the reward. So when we look at Jen and Jay as the possible tipsters, if it was Jen, then the November payout really makes no sense at all. There's really no way to wrap your brain around that to make it make any sense. But it's possible. But if it was Jay, there is a theory that would make perfect sense. The reason the November payout makes sense is this. I believe Jay had nothing to do with this crime. I believe he knew nothing about this crime. And his testimony and subsequent confession were completely coerced by the police. So let's walk through a theoretical timeline of Jay as the tipster. February 1st, he calls in with a hope to cash in on the reward money and says that he thinks Adnan did it. Maybe that February 12th anonymous call really was the February 1st anonymous call, as Susan suggested in Undisclosed Episode 10. So maybe he calls in and says, Anon told Basser the way it was written on the report, but it was actually Yasser, Adnan told Yasser that if he ever hurt Hay, he would dump her body or car in a lake. 
Obviously, if that February 12th tip was actually the February 1st tip, then the February 1st tipster really knew nothing about the crime. But it was enough at the time in early February before her body was found to at least make the Baltimore County Police Department start looking into it non. Once the city took over, this is what I think happened. And again, I'll emphasize that this is just my opinion, just my theory. I think the cops had no leads. They really had nothing. As I've mentioned before, take Jay's testimony out of this, and what do they have? Nothing. So grasping at straws, they contact their tipster, who in my theory is Jay. Maybe they made contact with him before February 27th, and maybe not. Either way, it doesn't matter. They speak with Jay, they try to see if he knows anything else, and he doesn't. So then maybe in that unrecorded portion of the interview, they convince him to modify his story to help indict Adnan with the promise of, if we get our indictment, you'll get the $3,000. I want to believe in my heart that they convinced Jay that Adnan had actually done it. I want to believe that they lied to him and told him they had evidence. I want to believe that he didn't sell his friend out for $3,000. But unless Jay speaks, we'll never know. So maybe one thing leads to another and Jay agrees, okay, I'll help you get your indictment. What do you want me to say? They feed him a story, they turn on the tape recorder, and they have him start telling the story. Ritz and McGillivary are no dummies. They've done this before. They trap Jay. As I spoke about on an earlier episode, they trick him into admitting that he was an accessory before the fact. So now they don't just have $3,000 to hold over his head. They have a life sentence to hold over his head as well. And they keep pushing along. You all know the story of the changing timelines and changing narrative where the detectives polished Jay's story to fit some cell phone evidence to get their indictment. So in April, they get their indictment. Jay should be paid if he was the tipster. So why not pay him then? Because if they paid him then, he could walk away and not testify. He could take his $3,000, pack up his ball, and go home. Now, they still have this accessory before the fact charge holding over his head, but they don't want to play that card just yet. They need to keep Jay on their side. If they push him too far, he could flip on him. So I think they string him along with the promise of this reward and the promise that he won't be charged, all the way until the fall. And I think Jay was getting nervous. I think Jay was having second thoughts. I think that that's why he started asking for an attorney. It was late in the game, he hadn't been charged with anything, but he'd been pushed around enough to know that he was probably in some trouble at this point. When he gets nervous, he asks for the attorney. That's when Yurik contacts Ben Roya, sets her up as Jay's counsel, and they charge Jay. Now why go through all that trouble? The next day, they were going to charge him, and he could have got a public defender. But instead, Yurik makes sure that he gets Jay an attorney before charges are filed, and then almost immediately drafts a plea agreement. In the plea agreement, Jay signs his name, pleading guilty to accessory before the fact, with the condition that he will only have two to five years if he testifies against Adnan. Once they had Jay's signature on that piece of paper, they didn't need to hold the $3,000 over his head anymore. They now had his signature on a contract where he has admitted guilt and provided for a lesser sentence with the condition of his testimony. So at this point, the $3,000 means nothing anymore to them. They don't need to hold that carrot out in front of him anymore. If Jay took his $3,000 and flipped on them and decided not to testify he's very likely going to prison for a very long time because he would have violated the conditions of his plea deal and he had already admitted to and pled guilty to accessory before the fact. 
In my opinion, the payout at that point was for a couple of reasons. One, the reason I just stated, that they didn't need to hold it over his head anymore because they had him committed at this point. And two, to throw him a bone, so to speak. Keep him on their good side. They still hadn't got to trial yet, so as an act of good faith, I believe that they went ahead and released the reward money to him. Jay does what he's told, he plays puppet for the prosecution, and Adon is convicted. Yurik, unsurprisingly, requests leniency from the judge at Jay's sentencing. He gets probation, never serves a day in jail, and goes on about his life while Adnan rots in prison for the next 16 years. So I hope that made some sense to all of you as to where the theory comes from that Jay is the one that received the reward. Now, there are other factors like the ride-along on March 18th that was discussed and undisclosed, where at the bottom of the notes, the detective wrote that if the private investigator discovers this, they will discredit it, and right under that writes, reward. Is that proof that Jay received the reward? No. But when you consider all of this, is it a good indication that he may have been the one that received the reward? You bet your ass it is. So the next question is, how do we figure out if it was indeed Jay who received it? Well, the answer to that is, we can't, but Adnan can. If I understand the law right, and you all know that I'm not a lawyer, in reading Colin Miller's blog, The Evidence Prof, for those of you that haven't read it before, look up The Evidence Prof blog, he lays out pretty clearly the process to expose the identity of the anonymous tipster. Rabia also explains this in her blog, SplitTheMoon.com. And it seems to be quite simple, but as everything with this case, I'm sure it's not as simple as it should be. Anon's attorney should be able to file a motion on his behalf requesting that the anonymous tipster be disclosed. And if I understand the law correctly, the state is required by law to disclose that information to him. If that anonymous tipster does come back to be Jay Wilds, as far as I understand, that will be an open and shut, slam dunk Brady violation not disclosing the fact that the key witness, the only witness in your case that got this man convicted, was being paid for his testimony, not only with the free lawyer, not only with the suspension of any prison time, but also in cold hard cash in the amount of $3,075, is a Brady violation. But hopefully to brighten your spirits more than that, it doesn't appear to have to be Jay who was the anonymous tipster in order for this to be a Brady violation. In reading through the case law, by my understanding, not disclosing any tipster to the defense in a case like this is a Brady violation. So if you didn't quite understand this when you listened to the episode, understand it now. This is the closest we've come to a non-being fully exonerated in a short period of time. It's not a guarantee, but it's closer than we've ever been before. And there's something else that I would like to share with you. Over the past several weeks, I have been communicating with Jay Wilds. I was able to first get Jay to respond to me about three weeks ago. I've tried reaching out to Jay before with no success, but this time something was different. I told Jay that I know that he had nothing to do with this. I told him that I believe the police coerced him. And I told him that I believe that Yurik and Benroya still have their claws in him. I asked him to speak with me, and he declined, but he continued to communicate with messages back and forth with me. 
He didn't say a whole lot, but there's one thing that he didn't say that spoke volumes to me. He didn't deny it. He didn't tell me to piss off. He didn't tell me Adnan did it and to leave him alone. I told him that when Adnan gets exonerated that he's going to be their target. And he responded with, I've always been a target, so what's the difference now? I told him that after episode 15, he had an army behind him that is willing to support him if he would come clean. And he told me that he doesn't need my army, that he's a man that fights his own battles. But again, he didn't deny it. And I told him that I knew about the $3,075. And he eloquently told me that he's been threatened before. And again, that he doesn't need for anyone to fall on a sword for him. That he will fight his own battles. And again, he didn't deny it. That was my last communication with Jay. Take out of that what you will. Since speaking with Jay, I've reached out to several other people involved in the case. People that knew Jay. People that were close to Jay. I spoke today with a woman that I'll just refer to as Laura for now. Laura was one of Stephanie's best friends. She was also very close with Jay and Jen. She also knew Adnan and Hay from the Magnet program at school. Laura has a unique perspective on all of this because she was very close with almost everyone involved in this case but separate from one another. Her relationship with Jay never overlapped with her relationship with Adnan. She and Adnan were friends at school, and she described Stephanie as her best friend, but she didn't know Adnan through Stephanie. And as I mentioned, she was very close with Jay and Jen, but again, not through Stephanie. I had a chance to ask Laura a few questions today. We'll be speaking at length later, and she'll be possibly interviewing on the show in one of our coming episodes. But before recording this episode, there were a few things that I wanted to know. The first one was the fact that in Jay's Intercept interview, he said that the night they were at Kathy's house, or Christy's house, or not her real name, Kathy, or whatever you'd like to call her, the night that Anon was supposedly acting weird. Jay says that he was there with Anon, some other friends, one of whom was Laura. He points out Laura by name in the interview. So I asked Laura if she remembers ever being at Christy's house with Jay and Anon, and Anon acting weird. And she knew the answer right away. She said there's no way that ever happened. Not a chance. She said she was never around Jay and Adnan together. And again, she's in a unique position to recall this memory because she did know Adnan. And she did know Jay. But she knows that there was never an occasion where she was with Jay and Adnan together. And she said she's absolutely never seen Adnan at Christie's house. Then I asked her if she was close to Jay and Jen during the time of this investigation. And she said, yes, absolutely, they were very close. They hung out almost every day. Then I asked her if Jay ever said anything to her about the crime. She said no. And I asked her if Jen had ever said anything. And she said no. And all the times they hung out together, neither Jay or Jen ever said anything about being involved in this murder or about being involved in testifying for this murder. It never came up once. She said she didn't know any of these details until Serial came out. Now normally I would find it odd that if someone's that close to two people and they had something this significant happen in their life, that they wouldn't share that, or at least say something about it. But they never said a word. 
There's one other person that Laura was very close to. She described him as being like a brother to her. That person happens to be the very person that I interviewed for this show today. After a quick break, to catch our breath and hear a quick word from our sponsor, you're going to hear for the first time anywhere from Neighbor Boy. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'm sure all of you remember this clip from Serial. A guy named Dave had called the cops and said, My daughter just heard something about a dead body. Dave told the cops it was the neighbor boy who mentioned it. Dave names the neighbor boy, but I'm just going to call him the neighbor boy. The neighbor boy. Ever since this episode aired, this gentleman has been referred to by millions of people as neighbor boy, and he's been a mystery to all of us. He declined to interview with Sarah for Serial, and according to him, he's had lots and lots of other people try to contact him over the last year. But neighbor boy was gracious enough to take some time out of his schedule and speak with me. I've been talking to neighbor boy for the last couple of weeks. And I want to say right up front that I think he's a really cool guy. He's a nice guy, just living his life, who had no idea that he was the focus of anyone's attention. Short of a few Facebook messages he's received, he had no idea that people out there thought of him as some sort of linchpin to this case. And he had no idea that he was neighbor boy. So strap yourselves in for the next 35 minutes and hear the first ever interview with neighbor boy. How you doing today, neighbor boy? <laughs> neighbor boy i'm good man i'm good <laughs> you know uh neighbor boy and i have spoken a few times before this and uh isn't it true neighbor boy that before i i called you you had no idea that you were indeed neighbor boy i had no idea what the hell was going on neighbor boy is the funniest shit i have ever heard in my life <laughs> you are you are literally known to millions of people as neighbor boy however yeah. we're gonna probably have a little you know a a decent length of conversation here, and I really would like to not keep calling you Neighbor Boy, but I want to keep your identity still kind of secret. So uh, we need to think of another nickname I can call you throughout the rest of this interview. Right, right. I feel you. Um, call me E. I can do E. E. Now, you know you're yeah. at the danger now of becoming uh, Mr. E for the rest of your life now from the other serial hey. characters that you're probably not aware of. Hey, that's not a problem, dude. I dated a girl, so this day her children call me Mr. E whenever I see him. Perfect. So. All right, I can I can handle E. Can you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, you know, you know what you've been up to for the last 15 years and any information you had regarding this whole serial phenomenon since then? For the past 10 years or so, 15 years, I've been out in Colorado. Actually, no, I moved out in Colorado 
uh, October of '02. Okay. I've been out here, uh, you know, taking care of my mom. She wound up getting real, real sick, and then I wound up moving my grandmother out out here, and just been doing the whole family thing. You know, had a had a daughter and a son. You know, married and divorced. You know, typical life shit. We'll go ahead and get on with the interview. So everybody, that's E, and uh, he's been out in Colorado for a while, just living life. And um, one of the first reasons, uh, E, that I wanted to get a hold of you was there's a lot of speculation out there as serials gotten so popular where you've kind of become a key character, and partially, I think, because you're kind of a mysterious character because no one's ever heard from you during all of this. Uh, like I said, you were coined as, as Neighbor Boy and... um right. Last year, I think, uh, in the fall, kind of when Serial was airing, there was an exchange between you and Jay Wilds on Facebook that somebody somehow caught and it just blew up all over the place and all these conspiracy theories started. And the the context of it was kind of that people took out of it that they thought... I hiding something or I knew something. Okay. Right, yeah. I know exactly what I'm talking about. Okay, let me set the record straight for everybody out there. The comment that I made to Jay was in turn a reaction to what he was saying to me. At this time, all these black folks were being killed on the news and all this stuff was being posted on Facebook about black pride and how come people aren't upset and just that and another. I wound up posting something that had nothing to do with it. It was irrelevant. I think it had to do with, like, a girl's ass or a, a car or something. Okay. He, he messages me trying to belittle me saying, how you see what's going on in the streets? You you ain't up, how come you ain't upset and you over here posting this? That's wrong with my black folks and this that and another. And I kind of got mad about that, and I had to check him one like, hey, don't come at me on that bullshit. I know who I am. I know what I am in this country. I know what's going on in the streets. But just because I'm not on social media uh, blasting this shit, don't get it twisted. But do I have to remind you about what happened to you in high school? Meaning that recently I had got a phone call from some investigator in Baltimore trying to do an interview that I wasn't trying to be a part of because I didn't know nothing about nothing. And that would have been when uh, Sarah Koenig called you, the, who did Sarah. Yeah, that, that's her name, Sarah, yeah. That's when she had called me. And I was like, 15 years later, y'all still questioning me about this? I had nothing to do with it. But it was more along the, quote-unquote, uh, coalition to free Adnan. You know what I mean? Okay. And I told her, I was like, yo, I don't know nothing about all that. Okay. She said, what I know, what was in the news. So when she contacted you, she didn't, you didn't know that it was going to be a podcast, correct? No, I did not. Okay, you just thought it was she, for some kind of story? Yeah, she was just telling, telling me that she was doing an investigation about the case, and she was asking me a couple questions, and just said another, and I was like, okay, cool, whatever. I mean, but I don't know what else I can tell you. And most of our conversation was over text. So the speculation that everybody had that, um, because like I said, and I'm sure you can see why people would take that inference from it was, uh, right, you, you know, right. what, you know what happened back then, like you were, like you had covered something up and you were, you were covering right. for him. It had not, I didn't know nothing from nothing, dude. It had nothing to do with that case. It was like, you know what, how dare you try to chastise me after what happened to you and what happened between me and you on a personal level, you know what I'm saying? Between me, him, and whatever girlfriend back in the day. I'm not going to go there, you know, whatever. But still, 15 years later, we're just now becoming associates on Facebook and you want to chastise me like you're still in middle school? I don't think so, homie. That makes a lot of sense. And in regards to 
what Sarah was calling you about. When she called you, do you remember she asked you about a report uh, or a little thing in the police report, a little note in the report where a girl named Laura, that's why you became neighbor boy, because they said she was your neighbor, uh, had told her father who said something to the police that you had told her that Jay told you that or showed you a body in the trunk at some point. False. Absolutely false. First of all, me and Laura, yes, she was my neighbor, but after middle school, didn't see her, didn't hang out with her, didn't talk to her, didn't email her, didn't write her any little love notes, stick her on a card. No, nothing like that. You know, this girl and her family, they were homeschooled, which is nothing wrong with that. You know what I'm saying? To right. reach their own, you know, if you're homeschooled, different crowds. You're not going to be at a party where I'm at. You're not going to be at the club or wherever I'm at. You know what I'm saying? Right. Because you're, you're home. So how can I even say that to you? So what, do you, you think there's just something she just completely made up? Yes. I, I, I really do. Because the only time that I said or mentioned anything about it was at a house party for my friend's graduation that her mom threw her. You know what I'm saying? She allowed her to have a party, you know, 18, she's about to go off to college and all that, whatever. She right. finally have a party. Okay. You know, getting drunk, stumbling around. Oh, yeah, I heard this, I heard that, blah, 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 blah. And next thing you know, I got BCCD coming up at my door talking about, hey, we need to go to town and talk. For what? Okay, so wait, now wait a minute. So the, the Baltimore Police Department picked you up after an exchange at a party? Uh, a couple weeks later, I do believe it was. Okay, and this was a graduation party, so this would have been later in the spring? Yeah, something to that effect, yeah. Okay, and when they brought you in, what did they question you about? It was more of, do I know this person? Do I know that person? Have I ever seen this person with this person? Have I ever seen this person driving this car or whatever? And I was like, well, I know this one. I know that one. I don't know this one. I don't know that one. I've never seen that car. But, yeah, he does have a car. But to me, it started to get funny because it was starting to sound like or seem like like they thought I had something to do with it. So I started to laugh at I started to laugh at the detective. And he's like, oh, what, you think this is funny? One of your peers or your students or, you know, your friends is dead? I was like, no, I do not think that that's funny. But what I do find it funny is that you motherfuckers think I got something to do with this or know anything about it. This shit has been blasted all over the motherfucking news, but yet you're here questioning me, of all people. Right. And now the people they were asking you, were they asking you about, like, Jay and Adnan? They asked me about Jay. They asked me about Hey. They asked me... I, if I know, um, what is his name? I don't know. It was a couple other people. I can't really read all that. Would it have been, um, cause some of the names that were thrown around then, obviously Adnan, and then, um, uh, there was a Yasser that they were talking about. Yeah, him, 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 him. I don't know who the hell he is. Okay, but they asked you about Yasser. Did they ask you in that interview about the situation with your neighbor? No. They didn't even ask you about that. Nothing about my neighbor. I didn't know nothing about my neighbor until you brought that into my attention. I haven't seen or talked to my neighbor, honestly, since, like I said, damn near middle school. Was she like a right-next-door neighbor or just kind of in the neighborhood? No, she lived across the street from me. Okay. Like, I'm, my house faced hers. Okay, But it gotcha. was a uh, caddy corner. Okay, now, getting back to the to the interview with the police, I guess why we're actually talking to somebody that spoke to these actual detectives, 
how would you kind of describe their tone? Were they were they forceful with you? Were they would you feel like they were trying to manipulate you at all? Or were they all were they pretty straightforward? I could tell they were fishing for something. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. Asking me like um do I know what's that dude's name's Yasser or have I ever seen uh Jay Wiles with this dude or Jen or whoever with this person or whatever? I'm like, no. What are you talking about? Is that you brought me down here for something else? So if that don't have nothing to do with it, can I? You take me back home? Right. And the and the original thing they brought you down there for was because they had heard a rumor for from someone that overheard you at a party saying something. Yeah. Yes. That I had seen and I know I have information regarding. Okay. And now in uh in our, in our previous conversation. Uh, before we were recording, you'd mentioned that you told the police you didn't know anything, but you said you said you and in fact Jay had told you some version of a story at some point prior to that, right? Yeah, right. Um, what he had told me was Adnan came to his house because anybody who knows Jay knows that he was selling weed. He may not have been that big major player like he thought he was or whatever. You said I don't know. I'm not in his business like that, but. Adnan come to the house. He talking about, yo, you ready for this? You ready for this? He talking about, yo, I'm thinking it's going to be a pound of weed or two. He popped the trunk. There's the body. So they take it to wherever and bury it. Adnan drove to Jay's house. That's what I got told by Jay. And that's what came out in the news. That Jay had helped bury the body? Or is that what you mean, what came out in the news? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and then, sorry, go ahead. Go, go ahead. You would mentioned that Jay said that... When Adnan popped the trunk, he thought he was going to see a pound of weed in there. Why Why would he have thought it? Do you, do you have any idea why he would have thought Adnan would have had a pound of weed in his trunk? I just assumed that that was going to, that he was his dealer. You feel me? Like, I don't know Adnan. I ain't never met him. He's one of those faces that you see walking up the halls. You know what I'm saying? Right. If they're, they aren't in your circle of friends or associates or whatever, you don't know them. You may see him walking up the steps or coming out the bathroom, getting a drink of water, going to the nurse's office, anything. So Jay, the, the way he kind of made it sound was that Anon was like his supplier and he was expecting some weed when he opened the trunk. That's what was told to me. Yeah, and, and as I, I mentioned to you, uh, and for you listeners, understand that uh, E here has not, he, he had no idea about anything. He'd never heard cereal. He had no, he didn't know any of this stuff was going on. So I was, I was telling him that all the different versions of, of Jay's story that have been heard over the years. So he was kind of surprised, too, to hear that this is the first story we've heard about it happening at Jay's grandma's house, thinking that it was weed. However, he did mention, like I, I think I told you earlier, that uh, in his latest Intercept interview, before all the police recordings and the trials and all that, in his Intercept interview back in December, he said something about that it was at grandma's house and he lied lied in court because he wanted to protect Grandma's house because she had some sort of major drug operation happening out of her house. Uh, do, do you know anything but, about that? I don't want to call it major, you know what I'm saying, but you do what you got to do in high school or whatever, you know what I'm saying? I'm not saying he's running keys out the house, but like I said before, I, I wasn't in his business like, like that, you know what I'm saying? He was after middle school into high school, we really didn't hang out much, and when we did, he was like, hey, you, you trying to blaze up? All right, bet. We go smoke somewhere, whatever, chill, and then he's off to do his thing. The way he had kind of made described it in the Intercept interview that it was not that he was dealing out of Grandma's house, that there was, like, his whole family had this, like, I think the words he used was that it was it was a lot more than just selling pop. It was this huge operation going on out of out of Grandma's oh, house. 
if it was, I didn't know nothing about it, and I knew dude since fucking elementary school. Right. <laughs> so, uh, you know what I mean? so that, 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 that no. <laughs> so th- I've known dude since elementary school, and we talking about some high school shit now. So, I mean, come on. Yeah. <laughs> well, that, uh, so, so we could probably say that may be an unsubstantiated claim. Right. Only he knew what was really the deal. That's his family. I ain't, you know what I'm saying? Whatever. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply. You mentioned that you guys knew each other, you know, since like elementary school. Can you, can you tell us real quick kind of what your relationship was with Jay over the years and at that time? We was homies. I used to go spend the night at his house, you know what I'm saying, kick it. I knew his grandmother, I knew his mama. You know saying, when he lived over in the and everything before he moved to grandma's house up off of uh, and everything. We was cool. Okay, so and, and that was all through, you said like, since childhood friends, right? Yeah, big wheel years. <laughs> big wheel years. Okay, and in getting back to you, you said he told you the story about a non- Coming to grandma's house, thought it was weed. Yeah, yeah. He had the body in the trunk. Uh, and then you also mentioned to me that didn't you tell you didn't you tell me that he told you a version of where he thought the or of where the crime happened? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, before he got to the house, apparently he went to wherever this girl was working at. You know what I'm saying? Right. To Trying to reconcile things because I guess apparently they had a a, bla- a breakup, a blow up, or whatever the fuck. And said, I don't know, but you know he he went there to talk to her. Things went wrong. Next thing you know, he's showing up at Grandma's house with the body in the trunk. So he had told you that that he, that Anon had went to Hayes' work when she worked at Lenscrafters at the mall. Tried to reconcile. Things went bad, and he killed her in the parking lot of her work or some some at her work somewhere. Yeah. And, and uh, I'm sure the listeners are wondering why I don't sound shocked now by that, but that's because E and I had already talked about this a couple of days ago, and I and I mentioned to you then that that's that's a version of the story that we hadn't heard before either, which sort of feeds into kind of what what I'm feeling is the fact that Jay didn't really actually know what happened because that's a whole another version that no one else has ever heard before. Right. I don't know, man. Like the real only version that I had heard was the one that Jay told me, and what was on the news up until. You got in contact with me talking about, uh, what's your podcast called again? The Serial Dynasty. Serial Dynasty, yeah. I ain't know nothing about that shit until you gave me word. I checked, I checked out the day after me and you talked, and I was like, wow. Okay, I didn't even know, like I said before, I didn't even know that there was a serial killer running around Woodlawn doing crazy shit. I didn't even know that there was a dude arrested who killed himself in jail and blah, 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 and DNA and all other crazy shit. That was allegedly in some report or whatever that was tied to this case. 
I didn't know nothing about that. You'd see thing on the news. Jay would tell you a story that seemed to fit. You thought Adnan did it. He went to prison, and that was the end of it. Pretty much. And I brought my black ass out to Colorado. <laughs> For that like, world. Like, I didn't think twice about it. Okay, but uh, on occasion, I would get an email or a text or something, you're saying, from, not a text, you're saying, like a, face, a Facebook thing, uh, free Adnan, and this and another, whatever. And I'm sitting here thinking to myself, like, why are they trying to free this motherfucker if he did it? <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> Seems like and a then, bad idea, right? Well, oh, duh. And then this lady, Sarah, called me, and then you called me. So I'm like, okay, wait, what, what, what's really going on here? That's and, why I'm talking to you. Yeah. And, and that, that's why I'm disclosing what I actually know. Because if it wasn't for that, I ain't got nothing for you, homie. I ain't got nothing to say. But, you know, at the same time, my name, like like you said, was made known by millions. Right. Million of thinking that I'm at the head of some conspiracy, whatever, whatever. I ain't got time to be looking out for motherfuckers trying to shoot me in the head because of this little girl. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right. I got a sick mama, an elderly grandmother, fighting for my daughter and trying to raise my son whenever I see him. You know what I'm saying? I ain't got time for that shit. Right. Well, and we appreciate you coming on, and I think that it's a... Uh... You know, for me, and, I, and I'll tell you and the listeners all together that one of the reasons why I really wanted to get you on is, you know, th- there is some information that you ha- that you have that's that's useful to us in the investigation. For example, the you know the, the fact that Jay told you completely different stories than everyone else, or than he told everyone else, is is significant in the fact that it just leads us more to believe that he really didn't know what was happening. But the other side of that is, I, I really wanted because you know, you and I have talked quite a bit over the last the last couple of weeks and. Me, right, you're, right. you're a cool guy living life just like everybody else, and and I wanted to give you the opportunity to get your story out to everyone who has all these preconceived notions about you. Right, you know what I'm I ain't got no beef with nobody. I try to keep it that way for a simple reason. I don't got time for the drama. I got enough on my plate in life. I got time for yours or the next motherfuckers. You know what I'm saying? Right. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I don't got time for it. Is that no? If it ain't about you helping me better myself, better my family, better yourself, your family, whatever you're saying, or any of that crazy shit. Miss me with it. I'm gone. Right, and so I, hopefully this will this will accomplish that, and uh, people will stop calling you neighbor boy at least. Hopefully when this is over with. People need to when you say that shit, neighbor boy. Get out of here. <laughs> so moving on down down my list here. One thing I wanted to ask you about because you and Jay were were relatively close at the time. There's there's a police report on the records that Jay was arrested somewhere on January 26th or 27th off the top of my head that year where he was arrested for disorderly conduct and resisting arrest, which was it would have been between when Hay went missing and when her body was found. So right in the thick of when all this stuff was going on. Uh, do you remember anything? Do you remember Jay ever being picked up for disorderly conduct or resisting or anything like that? heard anything about that one though. Like for real. But then again, who goes around bragging about, yo, I got arrested. So if 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 he did, he kept that to the chest. But I didn't hear anything about it. I'm trying to kind of put some things into kind of a reference of time frame as you're kind of drawing some of these memories back as we're you know, as I'm asking some of these questions. When you mentioned that Jay had so I'm kind of backtracking a little bit here. When you're mentioned, mentioned that Jay had told you the story about the body in the trunk at Grandma's house and Hay being killed at her at her work. Do you remember if that was after 
he had been picked up and and had spoken to the police that would have been right at the end of february so and i know you like you said you you got picked up by the cops after some graduation party in the summer can you kind of remember in in that time frame if it was back like winter time like maybe before he had even been talking to the police when he told you that stuff that's, or if it was later on that's the thing i don't know when jay got picked up you know what i'm saying so whenever he told me I had no idea that he had got picked up and had already talked to the cops about this. So when he told you this story, he didn't mention to you that he had been talking to the police already. Dude, dude, like that would that would be like your college when you're in college or in high high school, or whatever. Your homie running up to you like, "Hey, yo, check this shit." That's pretty much what happened. I was at the house. We rolled up. We were smoking the blunt, and he told me this story. Do you remember? Uh, just trying to kind of put it into reference here. When he got picked up, it's making more sense to me now because it's kind of clicking right now as I'm speaking to you that because he wasn't charged. Jay wasn't arrested. He was okay. He was brought in for questioning, and that's when he told the police that he knew, or according to the police reports, he told the police that he knew where the car was, took him to the car, and gave this whole story that Anon had done it and that he had helped bury the body, and then they went and picked up Anon, and then Jay went home. And so okay. it would make sense to me. I guess let me ask you this: as far as Jay's personality, would you would you consider Jay? A, do you think Jay would be the type of guy to be a snitch, or the type of guy that would want someone to know that he was a snitch? No, definitely not. That's that. That's the one thing I do know about about Jay. Okay. All the bullshit throughout his life, my life, everybody, whoever, whatever. That's the one thing I know. He he wouldn't do that. Okay. Hell, I wouldn't do that. Right. And so what I'm wondering is if, if I'm right in, in thinking that, you know, the police were holding something over his head or there was some other reason why they were pressuring him into doing this, he probably wouldn't tell you. I, let, let me frame the question this way. If Jay had been coerced by the police, they had something over him. Somehow they, they uh -huh. co coaxed him into giving this testimony against Adnan. Do you think that he would tell anyone? No. Okay. That's what I'm wondering. It, it just all of a sudden clicked to me when you told me that you didn't know when he was picked up. And, and, and that sounds like even going on towards like these graduation parties and things like he's telling this story about what happened, but he's not telling anybody that he's the witness in the case. Like, did you ever know right. that he was the witness, the, the key witness? No, I didn't know nothing. I didn't even know that this dude Adnan had been child and judged and has been in prison for the past 15 years until that old girl Sarah called me. And like I said, I was starting to get those little emails or whatever about the coalition to free Adnan and everything. And then I didn't know nothing about it. Shortly after that, like two years later or whatever, I moved. That actually makes a lot more sense to me when I'm thinking about it, that not just right then, but he was telling these stories to people, but he never told anyone he was the one talking to the police. And, and, right. that, and that would make actually a lot of sense for all this to fit in, especially as to why he would say, tell you that story. I mean, what's the purpose of telling that story unless he's just kind of trying to get Make it out. Make seem whatever or whatever, or that there. Yeah. When you're in high, in high school or whatever, depending on your mentality, a lot of people make up a lot of shit to make themselves seem cool, to make themselves seem bigger and better than what the fuck they really are in life. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Or he wanted but, people to know, when it came out, or if it came out, that he was the one testifying that, well, yeah, that's true, because Jay told all these people this story. Right. 
And so it, you mean? Oh wait, 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 wait! You mean I'm the only? I'm not the only one he told that to. You're the only one that I've heard that he told that particular version to. Uh, but there was, oh, okay. But there were several people that he was telling a story about what had happened that Adnan had killed Hay. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay. And that he had had to help bury the body. You know, you know, Jen was Jen was one. Um, you there were there were several people out there that said, yeah, Jay had told us about this. But it just occurred to right. me nobody ever said Jay told us he was talking to the police about this, and they were always different versions of the story. Right. So it's almost well, I, almost like he could have been covering his tracks for you know if it comes out that he was the one that is is testifying. He was talking to me, yeah, and that that would make sense because later in life I found out he was out. In the you know what I'm saying? Right. I heard. Um, I think it was from Jen. I think it was or Law. My friend Laura. Uh, something happened to him. And he got stabbed or fucked up real bad, and his shit's all fucked fucked up, and he's out. And then when he found me, or we got in contact on Facebook, he he wasn't. And but up until then, I didn't know where he was. I actually didn't know anything about the. I don't know if other people did, but about him being stabbed or something like that. But it makes sense that he'd want to get you know as far away from Baltimore Everything. as he could. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, and I just want to put this out there so that everybody can hear this, because I already know what they're thinking. Why am I in Colorado? Why did I leave? Well, the reason I left was because I lost my job, my car, and my apartment in one month. The girl that I was dating at the time, I couldn't bring back to my grandma's house. At that time, my grandmother, she was on that racist shit. You know what I'm saying? Right. People of, of her age, of course they're going to be there. You know what I'm saying? Right. So I had, I had to make a choice. Come out here and be with my mom or go back to grandma's house. I was tired of Baltimore anyway. I've been telling motherfuckers for years, yo, I want to get the fuck out of here. I'm going to go see something different. I'm tired of being here. And my grandfather showed up with a ticket. So here I am. Yeah, I, I don't, personally, I don't question at all. You know, you're, I, I don't think that you have any reason to have any motive. You, you weren't, I don't think you had enough involvement in this to even care enough to, to run away <laughs> from anything. Right, right. Come on now. Like if I did something, I'm going to say, all right, bet. I'm, I'm a lawyer of this, that, and blah, blah, blah. You know what I'm saying? But if I ain't got nothing to do with it, <laughs> okay, cool. And to summarize your involvement from what you've told me and you've started to say here, your involvement is Jay told you some bullshit story at some point, and you were talking at a party, the cops called you in, asked you if you knew anybody, and then that was the last you ever heard of any of it. Pretty much. Do you ever remember Jay having a motorcycle? A motorcycle? No. Also... I was going to ask you, you mentioned to me before that at some point you and Jay had a falling out, and, I, and, and you kind of shared some of the details with me. I don't want you to share those details here, but do you remember? <laughs> I mean, I I can, but I'm not going to put any names in it, just out of respect, you know what I'm saying? Sure. But, you know, it was it's pretty much some, some, hood, some hood shit, you know what I'm saying? Like, right. he was telling me, like, this girl that I was dating at the time, he was just telling me, like, there's something not right about her. There's something not right about her. This was about the time when uh, his girlfriend, Stephanie, was had just gone off to college or whatever, and they were having their little spit spats about whatever. So one day, I come home. My girl, she's not there. You know what I mean? Okay. And a couple of days go by, whatever, whatever. You know, I don't hear, hear nothing. I don't see her. A friend of mine stops by the house. We out front smoking, chilling, whatever, whatever. And I'm like, hey, yo, you seen Jay? She's like, yeah, about that. I got to tell you something. You know what I, mean? I was like, well, what you got to tell me? 
Jay was standing there with us. He got in his car and pulled off. Like, all right, Joe, I'm out. I'm like, all right, cool. You're know saying, holla at you. Right. The story got the story got told to me was he took old girl around the way. Him, about twelve other motherfuckers got drunk along with her and ran a train on her. Or she allowed that to happen. And said, either way, it was just fucked up. But instead of being a man about it, and saying you you get in your car and didn't and disappear for fifteen years. Right. So you know what I'm saying? So was that pretty but, much the end of contact you had with Jay until recently? Until we got in contact on Facebook. Okay. Now you mentioned that he got in his car and drove away. So at some point he did buy a car. Yeah. Do you remember what kind of car it was? Not really. Um, honestly, I couldn't even tell you. Do you remember about when this kind of, th- this whole breakdown in your relationship occurred? If it would have been like in 99 in the fall, winter? Maybe about fall. And you think it was 1999 probably about that time? Yeah, because we weren't in, in school then. And then. Right. So we had been graduated and all that. We, we weren't in school. Well, we know, yeah, we know that he cool. didn't have a car in 98 or spring, summer of 99. Cause he was, that was, that was part of the whole reason why Anon and he were kind of tied into this is because he was borrowing Anon's car. Cause he used to borrow his car on a regular right. basis. Cause he didn't, so he, he didn't, right, right. he didn't have one we know for sure in 99, like during the school year. You guys graduated 98, right? Yeah. Okay. So it would, it would have had to have been after that. So it would have been. Later in, in 99, when he got the car. But so, but so, but definitely somewhere close to that time frame. It wasn't like 2002. I mean, it was somewhere right around probably. No, somewhere around there. He had a, he had a car. Cause in 2002, like I said, in October, I was out here. Right. Okay. So this all, and, and you had guys that had your falling out a couple, couple been, of years. Couple, yeah. That had been, been, been done. Another person that was involved in the whole trial with Adnan that kind of connected some things together was Jen Pusateri. Jen had testified, and I don't remember if I told you this before, but Jen had testified that after they had buried the body, that she met up with Jay and went back and got the shovels and helped wipe fingerprints off of and dispose of the shovels. Did you know Jen? I've known Jen since elementary school, again. And what about her brother, Mark? He's a little younger, but yeah, I've, I've known him. Since forever, that was like my my little brother. You know what I'm saying, like for real. Are you and Jen still close, or do you still talk at all? Nope, nope. Around that time when I was being told this story about what happened between Jay and everybody and my girl, or whatever, I think that was about around the last time that I saw Jen too. Up to that point, you and Jen were pretty close too. Did Jen ever talk to you about any of this? No, never heard a word about nope. it from her. No, because in high in high school, once once again, like when we were at school, that's a whole nother story. And saying we'll maybe cut, go to the bridge, or the cut, or whatever, smoke, smoke a blunt, whatever, whatever. But other than that, we had our own lives. You know what I'm saying she was dating this this dude, they doing their thing, whatever. You know what I'm saying, and that's another thing that I was going to ask you about the guy that that Jen was dating. That was some relation to Jay, right? From my understanding, that was his cousin, and that would be. Anthony, Mookie. wow, and yeah. What did what did you say you guys called him? I knew him as Moochie or Mookie or whatever it was. You know what I'm saying he was the one that uh, she was arrested with on a couple of occasions. Does that ring a bell? You remember? Yeah, that? yeah, yeah, yeah. That's 
that's him. That's how I know that's her boyfriend. It was her boyfriend or whatever, you know what I'm saying? Because I remember uh, it was something about they were casing a bike store or something up, up on 40, and they got pulled up in some kind of illegal car or stolen car or something or some, some crazy story that I got told. So that kind of connects some dots, too. Not necessarily for the case, but there was some speculation. People were right. wondering about that. The last question I had for you e, is there was a person that was involved in the case, meaning that they were on the, the call log during right about the time that this alleged that the murder occurred. Do you know how Jay knew Phil? No, I do not. I rarely saw Phil. And when I did, it was like on a type of situation where we was just chilling, smoking a blunt, you know what I'm saying, kicking it, whatever. It wasn't like I hung out with all them. Okay. That was one of his, his homies. I couldn't tell you how they met what their dealings was or what it was going down, I, I can tell you. Okay, so you just know him because he was just a guy that Jay was around sometime. Right. Well, hey, man, I think that that's all the questions I have on the on my list for you today. Anything, anything else you want to add or if you want to you know, tell anything to the all the listeners that are, that are wondering about you, anything else you want to say, now's your chance. Honestly, just stop thinking I'm at the head of some conspiracy. I got some key evidence or whatever, I know what you guys know. As a matter of fact, you know more than I do, because I didn't know nothing about the podcast until just a couple weeks ago. Man, <laughs> man, come on, man. Be real. All right. Well, hey, man, it, it's been awesome talking to you, and it's been great getting to know you for this last week or so, and uh, I'll be in touch, and I'll make sure that I get you guys that link so uh, so you and your girlfriend can can check it out and listen to your interview, and, and man, you did great, right. and it was nice to get a lot of this out, and like I said, th- there is some information you have that, that may seem insignificant, but it does actually add a little bit to fill in some gaps for our in our investigation. Oh, hey, not a problem, man. Like like I said be, before, I ain't got nothing to hide. I ain't got nothing to do with nothing. What I know was on the news and what I was told. Now, though, if they match up, they do. If they don't, I hate. That's on somebody else. I'm going to let you get back to your family, and I'll definitely be in touch with you. All right, man. If you got anything else, just holler at me. All right, will do. Thanks a lot, man. All right, I hope you all enjoyed and got something out of that interview with E. Like I mentioned before the interview, he's been a pleasure to talk to. A few days before we recorded this, I gave E a call just to touch base before we actually sat down and did the interview, and we ended up on the phone for over an hour just shooting the shit and getting to know him a little bit, and I'm extremely appreciative that he took the time to actually record an interview for this episode. One thing I wanted to note that I didn't record in the interview but I discussed with Neighbor Boy previous to the interview is the fact that in Undisclosed, the team had revealed in some PI notes that E had told the PI that he saw Jay in the back of a squad car near Jen's house sometime before Jay was picked up and interviewed in the official police record. I did ask E about that, and at first he didn't remember any of that, so I sent him copies of those investigators' notes And he says that he does vaguely remember talking to someone, and he's fairly sure that he had written that down, but now 16 years later, he just doesn't remember. He said seeing it written down, he's sure that he did, but he honestly cannot remember ever seeing Jay in the back of a cop car. So I had sort of struck that out of my interview notes to not eat up more time with a question that I knew the answer to, but I did want to let you, the listeners, know that I did address that with E, and... He didn't say that it did happen or that it didn't happen, just that it was 16 years ago and he didn't remember it happening. So what did you get out of the interview with E? 
I drew a few things out of this interview. Number one is that this guy doesn't really know anything about this case. He was just a guy living life who had a buddy that told him a couple of stories. And that's really it. So my recommendation, or my request to all of you, is let's leave E alone and let him live his life. I don't think that there's anything else that we can draw out of him. I think that he was very honest, and I think that he literally told us everything that he knows about the case. And I think at this point, if this is what he wants, he deserves to be left alone. As far as the content of what he told us, I found a few things very interesting. Remember from the interview, E said that Jay had told him that Adnan had had a fight with Hay, went to her work, they got in a confrontation, and he killed her at LensCrafters, or in the parking lot at LensCrafters. Put her in her trunk, took her to Jay's house, and asked him again, are you ready for this? I found it interesting when E told me a couple of nights ago before we recorded this interview that Jay had told him that Adnan was his supplier, that he was expecting to see a couple of pounds of weed in the back of that trunk, and he was shocked to see hay in the back. So red flags starting to go up all over the place that Jay's full of shit. This is a completely different story than he's told when he told all the other different versions of his story. And he said that it happened at Grandma's house. Which he did also say the same thing in his Intercept interview, a different version of events, but that it did happen at Grandma's house. And he also said in that interview that the reason he lied was to protect his grandmother because there was a major drug operation happening out of that house. Did you happen to catch it when he said that he was over there all the time as a child and through high school, that he spent the night there? And as far as he knew, there was no kind of major drug operation happening there. Jay was just a small-time dime-bag dealer, and I don't think Grandma knew anything about it. And regarding the car, this could be significant regarding the reward money. He couldn't quite remember the timeline as far as when Jay got the car. But after the interview, I listened to it again in post, and I pieced this together. We know that Jay didn't have a car in spring of 99. He couldn't quite remember when their confrontation happened, but he thought he remembered it being in the fall. We know that they never spoke again after this confrontation, when Jay sped off in his car. And we know that E had talked to Jay when he got called into the police at a graduation party, which would have been, I'm guessing, somewhere around June of 99. So somewhere between June and the fall, and I don't remember if he told me on this interview or when we were speaking on the phone, that he remembered it wasn't winter, that it wasn't cold. So by putting all this together, it seems like Jay bought himself a car somewhere in the fall of 1999. And we also already knew that Jay did have a car by the time the trial came around. So again, these are just pieces of evidence. They are not proof of anything. But we know that some anonymous tipster was paid out $3,075 in November of 99. And we know that sometime in the fall of 99, Jay bought himself a car. To sum this entire episode up, I want to go all the way back to the beginning. February 1st, 1999. That was the day that the police stopped trying to solve this murder. That was the day any possibility of those 1999 detectives solving this murder and figuring out who actually killed Hay was over. So here we are 16 years later, trying to put this puzzle back together. And we're going to do it one piece at a time. We're going to continue investigating the suspects that the Baltimore Police Department never bothered to investigate. So before I close the show today, I want you all to do me a favor. Listen to this clip from Serial. Hay has got a crush on Don, an older guy, he's 20, whom she works with at Lenscrafters at the Owings Mills Mall. 
Don has blue eyes and blonde hair and a Camaro, and she really, really likes him. Now, I want you to take just a few seconds. I want you to close your eyes and picture in your mind who you think Don is. What does he look like? What's his personality? How do you picture Don? Now, what if I told you that everything you thought you knew about Don was wrong? Thank you all once again for supporting this program and downloading it and sharing it and helping me to build this audience and build this army. With tens of thousands of you listening right now, I have a request. Over the next several days, I want you to send me in everything and anything that you know about Don. Now understand, this is a little different than normal. I'm not asking you for theories. Right now is not the time for theories. I need evidence. I need facts. I specifically want to ask any of you who might have known Don back in 1999, or any time really, to send me an email. I'm not going to disclose Don's full name on this podcast. So if you think you might have known Don, please send me an email. Anyone that might have lived in Bel Air, Maryland, or went to Bel Air High School in the late 90s, please get a hold of me. Send me an email at theories at serialdynasty.com. Or even if you know someone who you think might have been from that area or went to that high school. Or anyone that worked at LensCrafters at Owings Mills or Hunt Valley back in 99. Get a hold of me. Now I want to make clear that I do not want any sort of vigilante type of sleuthing here. I don't want anyone stalking anyone, doxing anyone, nothing like that. I'm simply asking for anyone that does have information regarding Don of any kind to please get a hold of me. Thanks to Johnny Rose of Slightly Subversive Music for creating all the music for our show. Thank you to Krupa for creating our logo. Thanks to Jill at Pod Transcriptions for creating all of our transcripts for the show. And thanks to Sean T at Sean T Fitness for funding this program. If you want to get a hold of me, you can always email me at theories at SerialDynasty.com. You can catch me on Twitter at SerialDynasty or send a message to the Serial Dynasty Facebook page. I want to thank you all one more time and charge all of you to hold the course, keep putting one foot in front of the other until we reach the finish line. Until next week, this has been the Serial Dynasty.